This episode of Future Construct is supported by Applied Software. We would like to thank them so much for supporting us. Uh, Applied Software is really on a mission to transform industries. They empower their clients and champion innovation with real world expert consultants. So to reach them, you go to asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com, and please tell them that we at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct podcast. I'm Amy Peck, your host, and today we have Mark Odin, the CEO of BIM Designs with us. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me. So we have talked a number of times about some of the great things you do at your company, but I'd love to start a little bit with your background and actually how you came to BIM Designs because it's it's a great story. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. Yeah, uh, by education, I went to the University of Florida and I have a master's in electrical engineering. Um, I quickly moved into a career, a full career at Cisco Systems, spent 10 years there starting as a network engineer, moved into product management for, uh, for WebEx and, and WebEx Mobile. And I moved into strategy and planning um, and worked on an acquisition through Cisco and ultimately ended my career at Cisco with business development. Um, very uh, happy and honored to, uh, to have the, uh, to pri- the privilege of working with Cisco. And I feel like I, I earned three MBAs during that time. It was, it was very intense and a lot of fun. Um, from there, I took some time off and I, and I took a sabbatical in South America and I, I uh, actually learned Spanish, uh, gave up all my responsibilities. Um, visited a few countries down there and um, really explored um, who I was and, and found that um, deep in my core, I'm, I'm actually a businessman. Uh, when, I, when I learned Spanish, I, I found myself talking to uh, cab drivers uh, about the local economy. So one day I, I got out of the car and I said, I, I think I'm a businessman. Um, <laughs> having uh, having uh, bought a, recently bought a property in San Francisco, I started uh, renovating that um, during um, the architect took it over in the time that I was down in South America. And when I came back, um, there was a lot to deal with with the city in terms of permitting and approvals and modifications to the uh, to the architect's drawings. And so I eventually became the de facto general contractor for that property, um, ultimately learning um, how to how to work with the trades, electrical, plumbing, uh, sheet metal, and um, finding that I had so much to learn uh, in that space uh, and and you know potentially something to offer to the construction space ultimately ended up acquiring BIM Designs and, and growing it in three years from uh, three employees to 62. Um, so it's been an amazing ride that I've learned so much from. That's, and I love that story because I think that, that some of the, the best companies evolve out of that, you know, that personal challenge where you, you, know, you have the challenge yourself and you see a need and then you see an opportunity to actually kind of elevate the way things are done. And I think you've done a great job with that at, at BIM Designs. Yeah, so and I've you know been fortunate enough to interface with a number of people at your company, including Luke and Jamil, who are amazing. Uh, but you have this real sort of family atmosphere that you know as you built this company, and you know now you're a substantial company. Can you talk a little bit about you know how you did that and and you know where your teams kind of come from? Because I know that you're sort of a fully remote company, and you always have been. Thank you so much, Amy. Appreciate you asking. Um, yeah, absolutely. We are. Um, uh, we've grown the company, as I mentioned, from three to sixty-two, and in that time, we've really focused on relationships and and culture within the company, and, and also with our clients. Um, in that time, uh, we've uh, we are a union-based detailing firm. So at, at the core, we are a detailing uh, service provider that provides mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, pipe fitting, and fire protection detailing. 
Um, and we hire uh, union trained journeymen. Um, these, these trained journeymen go through five years of training before they can call themselves journeymen. And they, they learn every aspect of construction for their specific trade. So they become experts in the field. And then they learn detailing. They learn how to use the software like AutoCAD and Revit. Um, and then we go above and beyond uh, in, in our company and, and continue that training. Uh, we have subject matter experts that work across uh, the entire company. We have quality experts. We have Revit experts and AutoCAD experts, database experts that really help make sure that um, each project goes as, as smooth as possible. Each of our project managers are technical project managers. Um, but most importantly to us, again, is the relationships and the culture. We have a culture committee within the company. Um, we've had an end of year party last year that was completely virtual, but a huge turnout, a great event. We had a gift exchange, we had live music, um, we did charades. Um, so we really focus on how do we, you know, how do we honor and respect each of our individual employees and how do we focus on continuous education? Um, so collectively, we've, um, I'm, I'm very proud of the, the organization. I'm very proud of each individual that, um, that, that works with us and I'm um, and, and so grateful for, uh, for their dedication to the, to the team and to, the, to our vision. I love that. And, you know, as, as someone, so we, you know, we've, we've uh, built and remodeled, you know, three different houses. And, and as someone who has seen the difference between, you know, union contractors and some of the non-union contractors, and it's not that they're not good. It's just that, you know, we've also seen a lot of companies from overseas kind of come in and we've accidentally hired a couple of those and they seem like they're local, but they're really not. And, um, you know, that can really cause a, a whole host of, of issues. So, you know, I, I think it's really important that you are so focused on the education of, uh, of all your contractors. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Amy. Um, the union really uh, goes a long way in, in, in bringing um, dedicated, trained professionals that, that truly love um, what they do. And they have um, dedicated joint apprentice training ship centers. Um, students go to class and, and you know, they, they hands-on experience. Um, so there's a, a, a tremendous um, value that, that the union brings. And, and collectively, um, I really uh, respect so much of the, the, the union, um, the, the backbone that, that brings the union together. Um, they also uh, represent the workers and bring a, a quality of life um, to the workers that they may not otherwise have without a voice of their own. Um, so in combination with the quality of life and the training, we really have um, a, a high quality focus and a high skill set focus and, and a happy uh, group of employees. And it really allows us to, to produce just a, a level of quality that, that we really pride ourselves in. Yeah. And that's, and that is a challenge to do, you know, when you're, when you have remote teams to really kind of build that company culture. And so in, you know, kind of looking at a lot of the work that you do and you have some amazing clients and I, and I definitely want to get there. Um, but, but, you know, there, there's sort of a breadth of services that you cover and you've, you've been really, you know, you've, you've scaled your services side um, in a way that I, that I think also aligns with where technology is going and, but you still make it accessible today. And that's a very, very hard line to walk. So if you can talk a little bit about that and then, you know, what people can expect today, but then how you're kind of future proofing your services. Thank you so much for the question, Amy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where we are today is we actively um, use uh, well-known products like AutoCAD, um, uh, Revit, uh, Revisto, BIMTrack, and MEP Evolve. And we're, we're constantly looking at how do we bring automation into the, into the equation? So how do, we, um, how do we elevate our detailers to the next level of, of design build and um, client feedback and client relations? And um, you know, how, do we, uh, how do we work with, uh, with our clients to, to build that next generation design and that next generation product? 
Um, in the future, we really see artificial intelligence and machine learning coming in to help with scheduling, for example. Scheduling today is a very manual task done by the project manager at either the subcontractor level or the general contractor level. Um, and and potentially the, um, the artificial intelligence can start to see, hey, what is the progress that's done with pre-construction and what's the progress uh, or the delays that, that is, is with construction? How do we merge the two in a way that doesn't overall impact the actual cost or, de or development of, of the construction? Um, for example, today, if the pre-construction process is, is maybe taking too long uh, for whatever reason, because many things come up during the, during the pre-construction uh, phase, um, the concrete pour date is often uh, a, a flag in the ground that says we're not going to move this, we're going to pour concrete. And so what could happen is the, is the pre-construction process can either be squeezed, uh, which ends up costing a lot more and could lead to mistakes, um, or um, pre-construction process bleeds into post-construction. Um, which will lead to um, a, a reduction of the value of the pre-construction process because what you're trying to do is bring um, a lot of the, 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 the potential change orders, a lot of the requests for information, a lot of the challenges, the conflicts, the, um, um, the clashes, anything that could happen on the job site, you're trying to bring that into the virtual space in pre-construction. And so if you allow the schedule to slip to post-construction, you're going to start to lose that value. So um, there's, a, there's a whole way of future-proofing, to your point, of bringing technology into, um, into the schedule and how to, um, how to protect uh, and, and, and build a boundary around the pre-construction process while still protecting the construction process. Um, I, I know your, your passion is um, augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, we actively use virtual reality headsets uh, in, our, in our company, and, and we see a huge future for that. Um, we, we've heard use cases, for example, if I, um, if I have a doctor who's about to work in a hospital, you know, that's going to be built over the next three years, but he's sitting with the virtual reality headset thinking about how am I going to perform surgery? How am I going to move this patient from the operating room back to his, you know, back to his resting bed? Um, if I think of if a doctor who's going to actively be living in that environment works through the construction process, uh, imagine the amount that he can save noticing that in a virtual environment versus after the hospital is built and asking for changes and improvements because gurneys don't fit in a hallway or they don't fit around a, a turn. Um, so huge amount of opportunity for technology to come into construction and that uh, being a technologist at the core that that was a major attraction to, to me and this firm. Yeah, and I, I love that you mentioned AI because I think there's a there's a fear around AI kind of taking people's jobs, but but really it's about again to your point efficiency, right? And and kind of doing the tedious work on iteration, where that human factor is still always going to be a necessary component. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about that because you know that we want to dispel those fears because I think, I think we need to look at AI and machine learning as a, as a tool and not a replacement. I agree, Amy. And as, as technology evolves and as AI becomes more integral and integrated into, into construction and into technology, um, it will only elevate us uh, into, as you mentioned, the, the people component or the relationship component. Um, we'll be more artistic. We'll be more creative. We'll be more able to, um, to design with intention um, rather than design with limitation. Um, so I really truly believe that um, there will be an opportunity for all of us. Um, and even as process changes, um, there'll, there'll be even a better chance for us to partner with our subcontractors and an even better chance for us to partner with our general contractors to really build a true vision that we all want to build um, while allowing the technology to, to, to work with us um, rather than uh, against us, absolutely. I think that's right. I think, you know, and I, I come at this, uh, I'm a, also a photographer, and, you know, there was a shift because I'm old enough that, you know, from film to digital. And I took a very, very long time to go to digital because I thought this isn't the same. This like my, you know, it's not, not going to be my art. But actually, 
digital combined then with Photoshop. And I taught myself Photoshop one tool at a time by myself. Um, and I can tell you now that the creative freedom I have over my imagery, like I'm not sort of stressing about the technical aspect of the image I'm trying to create. I just shoot, 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 and, you know, fix it in post. <laughs> no, but then, it, then I really get to layer on. So, so it's not the same as shooting on film, um, but for me, in a lot of ways, it's better. So I think it's about mindset and, and really looking at it, you know, as a, as a toolkit. And let's, let's talk a little bit to uh, kind of expand on, you know, really how you're that, that sort of centralized concept and, and, you know, how, how that's going to add value to contractors and general contractors moving forward. Absolutely. And embedded into my DNA core in my DNA is the uh, aspect of being an early adopter. Uh, so I truly believe in, in bringing technology as, uh, as early as possible into our processes. Um, and, and we're doing that every single day um, today, and we plan on doing that in the future. Um, and, and I also believe in early adopting processes and, and seeing um, trends and changes in the industry and working very closely with our, with our partners. And it will create um, a, a more harmonious and more uh, homogenous relationship with our subcontractors. Um, we, we respect our subcontractors and honor them um, so much and, and the opportunity to um, congeal and bring everybody together in a way that um, uh, brings efficiency and, and alleviated schedule will um, only allow the, the, the system to operate more effectively and, and allow everybody to work better together. And that's a theme for us, for sure. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And I think, you know, technology does that for us. It does. And, and uh, did I mention that I'm an engineer? So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially a network engineer, which is, right. <laughs> you know, like, I think you understand process a lot better than most. <laughs> so I love efficiency. And uh, thank you for making that the central focusing. Yeah. And I think that there's this, you know, this opportunity to have, you know, BIM be this kind of living, breathing digital overlay so that, you know, through not only through the sort of design and construction phase, but then, you know, beyond as sort of the smart building overlay that allows any contractor to come in if there's, you know, maintenance or there's a retrofit, they can put on a pair of AR glasses and they can see the entire schematic of whatever it is they need to look at um, and see it relative to, you know, the, essentially a living, breathing as built. Uh, which I think is a great opportunity. And then the other thing we talk about a lot in AR VR is sort of a centralized 3D asset library so that, you know, multiple departments can access uh, designs and models and leverage them for their particular line of business. But you kind of have that same, um, you know, idea, I was going to say construct, no pun intended, <laughs> Um, you know, in the way you do your services, and you're really looking to kind of centralize the standards around BIM designs, because that is, you know, as far as I understand, that's one of the challenges for contractors that their subs are are getting, you know, their designs from, you know, a number of different sources, and so there's just not this kind of centralized standard. So, so how are you kind of combating that? Yeah, we've actually noticed the same, Amy. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're seeing that. Um, you were speaking about our breadth of services earlier, and one of the services that we've um, expanded to recently is laser scanning. So we actually can go into those tenant improvement um, opportunities and, and scan to build those virtual as-built and then superimpose that into the model or into the virtual space. So we are looking at them designs to create that end-to-end -end solution on how do we 
um, how do we go from the, how do we own the entire pre-construction process and how do we help our clients with that pre-construction process? Um, in that, um, I, I have noticed and, and our general contractors are noticing as well that when you bifurcate the, the BIM process and the pre-construction phase and you bifurcate that across many different subcontractors, um, it does create um, some, some schedule inefficiencies and it creates a lot of um, management that has to happen. So multiple contracts, uh, multiple, multiple meetings, multiple alignment conversations that must happen across all of these subcontractors. Um, so general contractors, we're starting to see a trend or moving to, hey, what if, we, uh, what if we helped provide a coordinated BIM model to the subcontractor by the time the subcontractor um, started working on this project? Um, in that case, the general contractor could work with the, the union journeyman and the union um, uh, design agencies to build, um, uh, to build this coordinated model and sort of reduce um, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, confusion that might arise when you're trying to coordinate between the electrical subcontractor, between the mechanical subcontractor uh, and the fire protection subcontractor. So there's a lot of opportunity for efficiency. All of the entire story, the general contractor, the subcontractor, the design agency, we all bring so much to the table and, and the, the, I, I really respect the general contractor because they have to find that right model and that right method for how do they, how do they go from beginning to end the most efficient and the most productive way possible. Yeah, I, you know, and it, it, the complexities just get, you know, bigger and sort of tenfold with the based on the size of the, the project and moving parts and, you know, multiple contractors. So I think that that makes perfect sense. And that's it's certainly a theme that we've heard with some of the guests as well. It's like, you know, how do we build these efficiencies in to, um, you know, just to streamline the process. So I think, you know, there, I think there's a, there's, you've made great strides, but I think there's still, especially as technology starts to hit the market. Um, I think there's a the real opportunity for all of that to happen, but, you know, one of the challenges with uh, future tech, and I think, you know, AI, you can kind of do at your level, but things like AR and VR are really, really reliant on, uh, you know, the user, right? And their, you know, reticence or not to, to put, you know, a brick on their face <laughs> or, you know, even, even the wearables, you know, the HoloLens and Magic Leap, those are both beautiful pieces of hardware, but they're kind of big. They're a little bit heavy. Um, the next evolutions of, of both of those will be smaller, um, but, but, you know, how difficult is it to bring technology actually on site? And, and are you finding an acceptance for it? Or does it sort of run the gamut? There's, you know, like, my phone's fine, I'm just going to use my phone or others are like, yeah, give me the latest and greatest. Like, where's that balance? Yeah, absolutely. We are seeing uh, on the job site, there's a need for hardened technology. Um, so there was, um, there, it took a long time to shift to mobile and tablets away from hardened laptops. Because I think they needed to, they needed to trust that if that device fell, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't break or it wouldn't, you know, break something else, um, or hurt somebody if, you know, if it fell from a few stories. So there's a, there's a need for hardened uh, technology. But I also see in the past year uh, a, a massive um, a trust that's being built for technology, and so we will start to see more and more technology in, in the job site. Uh, so I think there's a combination of making sure that it's safe, making sure that it's hardened. Um, and making sure that it's providing um, the dedicated use case specifically to the construction industry. And, and I absolutely see that happening uh, around us and with the partners that we work with. Yeah, I, I need that for my phone too. I think I dropped my phone about 60 times a day and yet it's still, well, it's, it's, it's working except for 5G. Now, I, we, we talked a little bit about 5G earlier on. You know, one of our guests actually mentioned that 
one of the last things to go into a site is the connectivity and the network. And I know you have a, you know, a deep network background and that the irony is that that's, you, you need it from day one. <laughs> Are you seeing that change where, where they're like, okay, let's get some cell towers in here. Let's figure out a way to get connected. Or are people just, you know, walking around this, you know, empty, you know, sort of mud bed saying, you know, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now in a, in a commercial? That's funny. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I look forward to um, 5G becoming what the potential it has and being deployed fully. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I do know that in, in especially new construction spots, you might not have good coverage. Um, and yet you have um, the job site and the trailers and you have um, the, the detailers, for example, working and they, and they need full connectivity and they need a very good connection. Um, so there's uh, a lot of different solutions and I'm pretty impressed with those different solutions that are that are coming that would provide a, a temporary uh, internet uh, to the to the job site. Uh, but I do agree with you. It's one of those, um, uh, you know, fundamental uh, wants, if you will, it's, it's maybe not a need yet, but it's definitely a fundamental want to, um, to, to bring that as early as possible in, into the construction phase. And, and the, the sooner you bring the connectivity is the sooner that you can bring technology end to end. Um, so I absolutely believe in, in that. And I, and I see major strides. Um, there's, there's a, a number of different solutions that provide the temporary access above and beyond just um, ensuring that there's a cell tower there. Um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it, it, and then, so as far as your clients, cause you, you have a, a pretty broad, you work, work with a number of different types of clients and I don't know how much you're allowed to actually share about specific projects, but it would be great if you have some examples of companies that you feel are really kind of leading the charge, leveraging technology and sort of, you know, blazing that trail into this next evolution of how you design and, you know, and build. Absolutely. And I, 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 uh, I must say that we are, we're built off of giants. Um, we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for our clients and our partners. Um, some examples of that are Will McManus and Doug Smith out of Dynamic Systems. Um, we partnered with them to, to, to grow the team and um, they've really been a great um, uh, partner with us since then. Um, we've also um, partnered with McDonald Miller Facility Solutions in Seattle. Um, we've, uh, Dan Holland and Brian Kite and Mark Poodle um, have worked very closely with us uh, to integrate technology. They have a dedicated VR lab, so they're very forward thinking in that sense. We've worked, um, Air Systems is our, lar our largest client. Um, Art Williams there uh, is the, the president, um, is, uh, is a great partner of ours. Um, so we're just very, very fortunate to be built off of giants and, um, and, and we really uh, enjoy working with them, learning from them. Um, you know, relationships are, are like a marriage. You really have to work at them. And we're very committed to, to working through uh, working through and with all of our, our relationships and all of our, all of our clients. All right. We're going to have to make some intros because I think we need some of some of them on the on the podcast. You know, hook a sister up here. Oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> and so, where, you know, what are some of the, the, the trends you're seeing, you know, if you think, if you look at this arsenal of technology, you, know, you mentioned um, AI and machine learning. We've talked a little bit about AR, VR. Um, you know, there's there's blockchain. You know, there's just all of this emerging tech kind of coming coming down the pike. Where do you see some of the you know what can we expect today? You know, in the next couple of years, and then you know, ten years down the road, you know, what does it look like to 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 build and how are how are companies going to be using technology on a day to day basis? Do you think? We have uh, tremendous examples uh, around the world of how um, technology is used and how it can accelerate. I mean, we've heard of hospitals built in, in weeks uh, at a time, right? Um, prefabrication is going to become a, a major component of construction over the coming two years. 
uh, and prefabrication connects in um, very well with with them. And what we provide, what we produce, are the the spool drawings and the shop drawings to send to the fabrication department, and for the fab shop to to build. I, I believe fabrication will um, grow at a tremendous scale, uh, and not just in the individual parts and components, but in in fully connected systems that will be you know walls with the with the pipes already inside of them, with the electrical already run, and those walls being um, shipped and installed to the job site. We're absolutely going to see that over the next few years. Um, even further out would be would be automation, automation of the design, um, uh, in, intellectual um, intellectual review of the uh, architect's drawings and the engineer's drawings, and and a, a first draft um, mo model uh, coming out of the artificial intelligence system for uh, our journeyman detailers to to look at and improve and optimize. Um, I see that happening in the next five to ten years, absolutely. Yeah, and actually, I love I love the um, example you gave of, of the surgeon because, you know, ergonomics passes are some of the things that end up happening last. And it's so critical that you bring that, you know, we talk about end user, end user, end user when it's software, when it's really any product, but it's equally important in, in building, actually paramount in building design. Um, and I'm sure you have many stories, you know, I've heard many stories of just, you know, we get, we get so far into the, the process. And then someone says, well, you two people can't pass in that space. If you've got, you know, whatever it is, whether it's gurneys or, you know, equipment or whatever happens is going to have to live there. And so I think that that's really a critical component and that, that pre-visualization uh, I think is going to be really interesting. And so, you know, that, that sort of leads us in this future thinking to the question I ask everybody towards the end and it's really, you know, kind of projecting, you know, you, Mark Odin, in the, in the future, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And personally, what would be, you know, sort of your dream piece of technology that if, you know, you were Steve Jobs and you could just build it today, and it doesn't have to be for business, really just for you, um, what would it be and what would it do? I love that question, Amy, and I've, I've put a tremendous amount of thought into it. Um, I really, uh, when I uh, when I try to uh, escape for a little bit, I go camping and I just try to be under the stars for a little bit. And I, I imagine, you know, what it would be like to be elsewhere in the universe and, and what it would look like, um, how beautiful it could be to, uh, to, you know, to see different parts of the galaxy or different galaxies. Um, so I would love uh, a, a technology that allows me to to virtually transport to uh, to a different planet or to a different galaxy and just see things from a from a completely different perspective. Um, uh, to start, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a fold-out LCD screen that I point a, a simple telescope to a, a location and the LCD screen kind of visually shows me um, what, you know, what is in that direction. So kind of is, is a powerful, more virtual telescope. And I've seen those, uh, I've seen those things in, in um, uh, being manufactured or, or being art, uh, researched and designed, I should say. Um, so I'm very excited about that in the short term. Um, in, in the midterm, maybe, uh, maybe I can have like a Minecraft on Mars and I can put on my virtual reality headset and I can start to build, um, to build on Mars. Um, and, then, and then maybe in the long term, um, uh, the, the concept of artificial intelligence and science can, can, can merge together and, and sort of uh, forecast and predict um, based on what they know a thousand light years away, what the conditions are in that, in that space, what, what the gases are, what the light conditions are, et cetera. And it can sort of create, um, you know, an artistic representation or a scientific representation of what that might be, um, and be able to experience that in, in full. I, um, I really would, I really would love that. Um, and just as a side note, um, I, I just, uh, I also love in that concept um, reading different articles about um, quantum physics and seeing the 
um, seeing the evolution that's happening. Um, this year, I really believe um, that there's going to be a tremendous amount of evolution with quantum physics. I'm seeing articles every day about how uh, new discoveries are, are being found, and, and that's really going to affect um, quantum computing and completely accelerate um, how, we, how we operate and how we perform and how machine learning and artificial intelligence grabs hold of, of every element of, of what we work on. So I'm super excited to be a part of this. I'm super excited to, um, to, to witness it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, thank you so much for asking that. I think that's a, that's a great answer. And, you know, if Elon Musk has anything to say about it, you'll just be able to, you know, hop on a SpaceX flight and, and actually go there. <laughs> you can see it up, up close and personal. Yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's a fantastic vision. And, you know, I, I loved all your insights today and, and thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing everything with us. Thank you for having me, Amy. I really appreciate everything that you do. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining today.